America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Today on Radical Personal Finance, Mustachianism 101, the philosophy of popular personal finance writer, Mr. Money Mustache. Welcome to Radical Personal Finance, a show dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, insight, and encouragement you need to live a rich and meaningful life now while building a plan for financial freedom in 10 years or less. My name is Joshua Sheets, and I am your host. Today, we're going to talk about the philosophy of one of the leading personal finance writers online today who is very committed to the second part, well, both parts, but especially that financial freedom in 10 years or less. I had promised this show uh, a while ago in my recent episode where I interviewed Mr. Money Mustache. Uh, read up with him in Gainesville uh, a few weeks ago and was able to sit down and finally get him on the microphone. It was probably the most requested uh, interview. It was episode 425 of the show if you'd like to go back and, and listen to it. It was the most requested interview uh, where many of you wanted me to speak to him. But uh, Mr. Money Mustache, his name is Pete, uh, if you're interested. But Pete said uh, when I'd reached out to him several times, he had he'd done a bunch of interviews and he just wasn't interested in kind of rehashing the same old, same old. So finally, I was able to catch up with him in Gainesville and I promised him, I said, I won't make you go through and talk about what you say on the blog. <laughs> I won't make you do it. What we'll just do is I just want to hear about what's going on currently. So that's why the tenor of that interview, episode 425, was not about his philosophy. It wasn't about what he does. It wasn't about even what he writes about. It was about him as a person because many of you uh, will really, uh, you know, you're already familiar with his philosophy and what he teaches. But Pete has been an internet publishing sensation, uh, especially in the world of personal finance. Finance. He, there are many, you know, there, there are from time to time new personalities come along, new people come along and, and speak to people. And, it, you know, on a comparison of a scale, uh, there would be no comparison between the impact thus far anyway, of somebody like uh, Mr. Money Mustache and his website as compared to, say, a Robert Kiyosaki or uh, Rich Dad, Rich Dad, of Rich Dad, Poor Dad fame or of who else? I mean, there, there are from time there, there are other much more widely known personal finance uh, pundits. Somebody like David Bach from the Automatic Millionaire. These people have uh, affected many huge, huge uh, audiences, much, much bigger than Mister Money Mustache's audience. However, Mister Money Mustache has not gone out and tried to market his message. So, with regard to a grassroots message where you just have a guy sitting down typing some stuff into his computer, it's hard for me to find somebody in the finance space who has had such a big impact. It's really hard. 
Pete, to his credit, has been had a very authentic story, and he has uh, just simply sat down and written out his stuff, and people have found it because it was good. It's one of the beauties of the internet. And today I'm going to tell you a little bit about his philosophy, summarize what he teaches so that you can be aware, because as even I interviewed many people who were there gathered for his conference, uh, or the conference that his 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 community was putting on for him, uh, many people were, were, were focusing and saying, I'm a mustachian. So let me explain what mustachianism means. Before I explain the philosophy of Mr. Money Mustache, though, sponsor of today's show is Paladin Registry. Paladin is the go-to place for you to start your search for a financial advisor. Now, here's the catch. Some financial advisors will uh, probably hold and be aware of some of the teachings of uh, somebody like Mr. Money Mustache or somebody like Radical Personal Finance. Many of them won't be. And that's one of the biggest challenges to finding a great financial advisor today. Most financial advisors are uh, excellent in what I call the mainstream. They're not going to tell you to sell your car and ride a bicycle, but they will help you figure out how to properly you know, allocate your portfolio and how to draw income out of it from retirement. I think there's a place for both, and I'd love to see more mustachian financial advisors emerge. But there are a ton of very competent financial advisors who are skilled planners and advisors. And there's no reason why you can't take the knowledge that you bring from the perspective of radical personal finance or Mr. Money Mustache, this type of uh, hardcore stuff, and integrate that with mainstream financial planning techniques. It's one thing to say, I'm going to sell my car and buy a bike. That's great. It's another thing to figure out, how do I live off of a portfolio for the next 30 years when I don't have several million dollars extra and I got to make sure that I structure this thing properly? For that, consider starting a search for a good advisor at RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash Paladin. Paladin is spelled P-A-L-A-D-I-N. It's a registry service of vetted, researched, proven financial advisors, experienced financial advisors. No brand new rookies in there. Uh, no people without experience. No people without good, solid track records of service to their clients. Search, your, search for your next financial advisor at RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash Paladin. That link will Flip you through to a landing page where they'll collect your name, your uh, email address, your info. Uh, that info will be sent on to a couple of financial advisors in your area where they'll be able to reach out to you. You can interview them. Can't promise you're going to find your next great advisor there, but I can promise it's a good place to start your process. Thank you. Please use that link, RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash Paladin, and I will receive a commission when you fill out that form. Uh, so thank you very much. All right. The philosophy of Mr. Money Mustache. The story of mustachianism very much parallels Pete's own experience. He is originally from Canada, and even his financial uh, journey parallels much of the advice that he gives. He had in many ways, a, a normal upbringing in Canada. He was born to a couple of good parents. Uh, he had a very straightforward education. He studied computer science in school, graduated out of college at the normal 22 years old, and uh, got his first job. He started off on a good, solid foundation, but he was not rich. He didn't have any debt. He didn't have any savings. As he talks about on his in his writing, he graduated with a bike and a backpack and a diploma. Uh, he did not have any student loans, which was a tremendous benefit as to him and also to, should be to all of us. But he started off with uh, no student loans. Uh, he had a little bit of help from his parents. He got a scholarships. He had various high school and summer jobs. 
all of which helped him to start on a solid foundation. He came on down to the United States and, as he would tell, made many of the mistakes that many people uh, make when starting off their life, buying fancy cars, going around and spending lots of money at bars and restaurants and basically living uh, the good life. But over time, he did work really hard and he did get some raises of his income, transition jobs, and he always worked to uh, keep his housing expenses relatively low by sharing roommates. So over time, he and his wife uh, got together. At some point in time, they married. Both of them uh, continued to live on a relatively small amount of money while earning good professional incomes and being without children. So in that context, they were able to save a significant percentage of their income. Along the way, he dabbled in some real estate on the side. He had a part-time business building houses and uh, was able to uh, put himself in a situation by, by working on some construction projects and also renting out some houses. And that led to the point where after about nine or 10 years from graduating college at about 22, so Colorado Attitude 30, 31, they officially declared themselves retired. They'd been able to save over that period of time somewhere around $800,000 and I believe, pay off their original house. Because of their skill with spending a relatively low amount of money, they were able to consider themselves retired with that $800,000 portfolio. Pete subscribes strongly to the theory of the 4% rule. The idea of a 4% rule is if you have a portfolio of uh, mutual funds and stocks, uh, you can would reliably withdraw about 4% of the value from that portfolio into perpetuity. So that means that with an $800,000 portfolio and a paid-off house, he and his wife were planning on living on an income of about $32,000 per year to cover their expenses. And to put themselves in that situation, they, as long as they had that money, they considered themselves retired. And so they were able to retire uh, by the age of about 31, before they had their first child. Since then, that's been a number of years ago. Since then, things have continued to go on. He's moved, sold his house that he was living in, renovated another house. Uh, he and his wife have continued to pursue all kinds of different projects. Uh, he is works on his, on his blog. He does some building stuff that he enjoys. Uh, they have at times... Uh, done home education for their son. They spend a lot of time with their son. His wife runs a small business on the side, and life is pretty good. He started writing his blog back in, his first post was made in April of 2011. Since that time, the blog itself has become a significant business. Uh, he releases numbers as far as his earnings uh, in various places, at least he has in the recent years. So he earns um, probably about a half a million dollars a year of profit from his blog, primarily from advertising. If he wanted to, now remember, he has the number one personal finance blog on the internet that I'm aware of. Uh, and if he, it is not optimized for making money. If he actually sought to optimize it and make money, uh, he could make a lot more money off of it than he does. He, he does his, adver his revenues come in in a very unobtrusive way, and that fits his personal philosophy. So, I'm going to explain to you a few of the things that you that you need to know about the philosophy and a few of the areas that are understated. I'm going to walk through some of these major things and also tell you for whom does this philosophy work and for whom does it not work. The It's important that you recognize up front that uh, by all accounts, my own uh, testimony included, Pete is who he says he is. He is a genuine 
guy. The guy that you meet uh, in person is exactly the same guy that you meet online. I have uh, seen him a few times, started when a few years ago, immediately after I had left my and closed my financial planning business to start Radical Personal Finance, I traveled out to Colorado and to visit my family. I wanted to go out and visit my grandmother. And uh, so my wife and I, we traveled out there and we were on our way passing up through from Denver headed north into Wyoming, uh, which would be passing through where he lives in Longmont, Colorado. And so I sent him a note and said, hey, I'm, I'm uh, coming through town. Could I come by and, and uh, connect with you? And he said yes. He was very gracious about that. And my wife and, and son and I went by. We spent the evening with a couple of other of other of his readers. He had scheduled a, a public event and a couple of other, others of his readers. We went on a bike ride and then wound up visiting with him at his home, and he very graciously invited us to spend the night. So my wife and I spent the night in his basement back when he had a basement, saw his project when he was working on it. And uh, Pete, his wife, and his his son are, are just really great people. He is genuine to the core. I've met him and interacted with him a number of other times, and uh, I think if any of you met him, you would uh, understand that he is who he says he is. When he talks about doing his writing because he just wants to do it, he really does. When he talks about uh, not wanting to be part of the the system, he, he really is. He's a genuine guy. And I love that about him. I applaud that. It, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, it's also important that you recognize that his style of writing and his humor tends toward self-deprecation. And this is one of the challenges because you have to filter through the language of self-deprecating, humble language to try to understand, is this really possible for a lot of people? Now, if Pete were listening to this, he would say, of course it's possible for a lot of people. What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? The problem is you do need to have a significant uh, – you need to have significant skills and competencies, No matter how disarmingly casual his language is about his approach, he is an extremely hard and industrious worker. Uh, There are a number of lessons that you can take even from his his specific story that can be applied to uh, many of our situations. Here's just some some lessons. Number one, uh, when he started off out of college, he didn't have any debt, no savings, and he was very flexible. He didn't own a lot of stuff, and so he was able to go and put himself in different positions. He worked hard. He got a degree in something that's actually useful. He got a degree in computer engineering, and it's much easier to get a high-paying job with a degree in computer engineering than with, say, a degree in the human Humanities. He was a serious worker. For example, if you read his story, he talks about how he skipped his university graduation ceremony and because he didn't want to miss any work. He'd already moved away to a, a new city 300 miles away from the university, so he skipped walking across the graduation ceremony. So don't let the, the, the persona of, oh, I'm kind of a slacker fool you. The man works hard, and he's a hard worker uh, even now. You can't be lazy and have this type of philosophy work. Uh, yes, he bought a car, but it took him a year to pay off his car after he borrowed uh, about $16,000 from it. So he was focused from the very beginning. He talks about how disarmingly talks about it. He, I flaunted my new salary around town with bar and restaurant hopping and computer equipment and furniture and accessories to, to, for, for my car. But the reality is, yes, his level of flaunting was nothing like what the average person was. He was working hard at uh, paying off debt. Certainly, he got better over time, but he was working par- hard at paying off debt. In his 
his uh, over in his year in his first time in year in the tech market, he increased his salary from forty one thousand dollars to fifty seven thousand six hundred dollars. That's a forty percent raise. They don't hand out forty percent raises to people who a aren't in a good industry. He was in the computer engineering industry during a rising tech market. And B, they don't hand out 40% raises to people who are slackers. Uh, so uh, all of these things. He moved to the United States to get a job. That's one of the most important things, increasing his income. He and his wife met early and they joined finances early. That makes a huge difference to the ability to uh, save wealth. Having a two-income household where expenses are less because of the shared uh, efficiency of, of expenses, uh, this is a big, big deal. Uh, to add her income to his income uh, and have uh, the ability to enjoy more frugal activities together, these things are a big, big deal in terms of actual results. Eight years into eight years out of college, he was earning $125,000 a year and his wife was earning $70,000 a year. And so that allowed them to significantly increase their savings very, very quickly. And I hope in that you see, and I'm trying to, to cut through the casual, um, catchy, self-deprecating humor to see that don't let that stuff fool you. A lot of times people that are very smart will conceal that smartness behind uh, an image that uh, will help to, to, to not get such bad results in our society for whatever reason people tend to be seem to be more jealous of people who are successful and and so those of us who are successful we often learn to engage in self-deprecating humor kind of a ah shucks ma'am type of attitude and, and pete does exactly those same things if you follow those lessons however you can do what he's done the basic philosophy of financial independence that pete espouses is a high savings rate earn a lot of money and save a high percentage of it, ideally 50 to 75% or more of your income. And you can see how, um, based upon his own experience, that would be the simplest path to financial independence. If he was earning $125,000 and his wife was earning $77,000, that's over $200,000. Now, ignore taxes for a moment. Uh, if he were spending 25% of their income, they're living a $50,000 and saving $150,000, again, ignoring taxes temporarily, uh, they're saving – that would allow you to save 75% of your income. And if you're spending $50,000 a year, you're living at what the, you know, the median income is in the United States of America. You can live a great life. And when you bring that and add to that the lessons and skills of frugality that he embraces, you can live a great life and you can become financially independent very quickly. This is the approach that he, that he is so powerful at articulating. My experience, the people who most resonate with the philosophy of Mr. Money Mustache and his approach are those who are high-income earners who are just sick of what they're doing, sick of their job and, and wanting to do something different. Uh, I know and, – and for that person, his writing is addictive. Uh, I've known so many people. They start at the beginning and they read the entire volume of his blog. Uh, and I did that one. The first thing I generally, one of the things that I do when I find something is I, I read the whole archives, try to really understand. And so I've read every every article he's ever written uh, in you know in the past, but not not recently. I've read recent articles, but in the past I, I read all those things. And so that helps you to 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 grasp the knowledge. And if you are a high income earner, which most of you are. If you're a high-income earner, six-figure income earner, and you're feeling stuck, 
you probably need a face punch from our friend, Mr. Money Mustache. Because Mr. Money Mustache has the ability to get you excited about living on two or $3,000 a month. Really, really remarkable, his skill with that. He is a skillful writer. He brings a sense of, of um, I'm, I'm failing for the word, insubordination. There's, there's a better word for it. Just this sense of, of like, yeah, we can figure it out on our own terms. And so he is a phenomenal writer to the upper class to the high-income earners. And that's his intended audience, But as best I can imagine. He wants to help uh, six-figure income earners recognize, listen, you can, do, uh, you can do this. This also shows the weakness of some of his philosophy. Because in many ways, if you're feeling stuck, you don't have a high income, or uh, you have other expenses. Perhaps you're caring for your parents, aging parents, or perhaps you're caring for children and you have committed yourself to certain courses of action that make your decisions uh, a little bit different. You'll find it harder to really resonate with his message and with his uh, methodology. Not that you can't learn, and I'm going to go through some other things that he is consistently teaching. You can learn, but you won't, it won't resonate with you quite so much. If you think back to the interviews I've played in recent days here on Radical Personal Finance, many of the listeners are high income, no children, young working professionals. That's no accident because this type of person can get extremely, a, a huge amount of value from him and from his philosophy. Now, he's not exclusively limited to just save all your money. He gives additional ways of doing it, much of which is a mindset. One of the real strengths to uh, the philosophy of mustachianism is bringing intelligent design to life. Pete is an engineer, and, and so he brings that engineering skill set to the simple and the complex things of life. If you uh, probably what he's most well known for is his, I want to say, hatred, disdain despisement. He despises people who uh, what he would uh, affectionately call car clowns, people who drive a lot. Uh, and if you think about his approach, this is very normal for an engineer. An engineer looks at a problem and says, how can we set something up for maximum efficiency, especially uh, a computer engineer who needs to uh, understand how to make the code the simplest possible for, so that it loads quickly and so that it works effectively. So what he looks at is the massive simplicity and effectiveness of your making a choice to live right next to your work. That is so valuable. Many people don't think about that. And that's applicable no matter whether you're a high-income earner or whether you're a low-income earner. Live close to work and you'll save time. <laughs> There's a reason why uh, for years um, President Trump, when, before he was President Trump, his office and his, and his house are in the same building. Just go up and down the elevator. And still, I guess, his office and his house are in the same building. It is incredibly efficient. I love having my office and my house in the same building. It is really, really valuable. So Pete brings that, that philosophy of engineering to almost every aspect of life. And I think that's something that is we, we all should, should take and, and model. Test the assumptions. Look at the situation and say, if I were starting with a fresh blank slate, how would I design this to make it better? What is my actual goal, the end that I have in mind, and how can I bring intelligent design to this particular concept?
Another thing that uh, uh, Pete is really well, well I, that I see as far as one of his fundamental um, uh, strengths is he, he embraces adversity. Uh, I would say that uh, he yeah, he was influenced, although he aligns well. If, if you're familiar with the fundamentals of Stoic philosophy, the philosophy of Stoicism is, is gaining a real resurgence in the young uh I think primarily men, uh, young men, uh, really seem to be resonating with the philosophy of Stoicism. And although I don't know how deeply Pete has delved into Stoicism as a philosophy, he models the values of it, the embracing of adversity. He wrote a post years ago about his embrace of having his house be hot by not putting, uh, not putting air conditioning in the house. This is a really useful mindset to go out and tackle adversity uh, and take and take it as something that's that's powerful. When I was with him a few weeks ago, <laughs> we were getting got together over breakfast, and he was talking about the cold shower that he had just taken. The place where we were we were together had run out of hot water, and so they'd taken a freezing cold shower. But he wasn't complaining about it; he had tackled it as a uh, as a benefit. About what what a rush, what a wake up to have a, a freezing cold shower in the morning. I feel really good right now. That's a, a tremendously powerful life skill. You don't have to embrace Stoicism to to embrace that. Uh, I don't embrace Stoicism. I reject the philosophy, uh, not as not having some useful points, but uh, personal reasons for it. But I, I want to embrace the same philosophy. I, I really love that, and I think that's so powerful to embrace adversity. He writes about going out and riding his bicycle in a blizzard, in a snowstorm, th- all through the winter, or of uh, learning how to uh, fit in small spaces, learning how to live in less. All of these things, if you turn it into an adventure, it can change your your experience of life. That philosophy is applicable to everybody. You don't have to be rich or poor. Just embrace adversity and embrace it as an adventure because you can grow out of it. Really, really useful. Um, you know, again, he's he's big on making big, being able to live big on little amounts of money by nixing stupid, by cutting out stupid stuff out of your life. And that's something that's applicable no matter who you are, rich, poor, high income, low income, no matter where you live or your situation, you can do really well uh, by living uh, large on just a little bit of money. Take Pay attention to the details. And his writing is a good mix of philosophy and practice. He does a good job of writing an article that is very philosophical, talks about, you know, very motivational. And then in the next article, here's how you install a shower, or here's how you tackle your, uh, you know, here's how you uh, save money on your cell phone plan, things like that. Uh, Big on, uh, again, dumping the car and embracing the bicycle. That's valuable no matter whether you have a high income or low income. And these things start to flow together. You can see how uh, his, his philosophy is so powerful because if you design your life intelligently by focusing on how close your house is to your office and you embrace adversity, that makes you more likely to, uh, uh, to be willing to ride your bike even if you get a little sweaty or a little cold 
all these things save you money. It's good engineering. It's very, very efficient. And it cuts out a significant expense by having extra cars or extra car costs out of your budget by just simply making some, some things different. Now, this again is applicable whether you're rich or poor. In my area, just like probably in your area, a lot of the poor people ride bicycles. And what Pete is doing is by embracing adversity, teaching people to become rich by changing the the perception that that riding a bicycle is cool, it's not just for poor people. Uh, one of the real strengths of his philosophy is embracing do-it-yourself skills and doing this for multiple benefits by tackling home repair, by tackling car maintenance, by tackling learning new skills like web design. You are able to save money, but you're also able to become a more well-rounded person. His basic uh, investment scheme is simple, index funds and rental real estate. He really doesn't ever delve, excuse me, also peer-to-peer lending. He does some peer-to-peer lending projects. But beyond that, he really doesn't dig into uh, investing any more than that uh, for good reason. Um, It works and it's simple. More than anybody, I think he does a great job of of really modeling the cumulative value of small steps. He wrote an article called A Millionaire is Made $10 at a Time, which focuses on the power of little decisions. And I think it's so important to constantly remember little decisions, lots of little decisions add up to the, uh, to, to the, to the, the long run. So there is a lot – that all of us can learn from his writing. His writing, he's popular because of the power of his ideas and also even his style. Uh, He's an interesting writer. He writes, he's very colorful, writes with very colorful language. He is a wordsmith. He's very, very, he's very poetic, very skilled at bringing words together in a poetic way. And this really, really helps people to be able to engage with him. He's also meeting a need at a particular moment in time. We've reached an age in which consumerism has become one of the major religions of our day. And yet, consumerism is leaving many millions of people without a sense of meaning. And so, there are many people who are casting around saying, where do I find a sense of meaning? Where do I find meaning after consumerism? What do I do? And he writes to that audience and does a tremendous job of saying, look, there can be meaning after consumerism because you don't need it. And financial independence is going to provide that meaning. This unique cultural moment, I think, is also very key in understanding the rise of his success as a writer and as a voice in the personal finance space. Uh, What worked in the past doesn't really work now and doesn't seem to work now. And There are many people who are looking at their parents and recognizing, my parents aren't happy. This idea of working an entire lifetime and then quitting, it's really not – it's really not working for them. And so uh, the, the way out seems so simple. If I become financially independent in short order, then I can do what I want to do. And this is powerful. So you put these things together and you put together his skill, the, the strength of his philosophy, and the, the skill as a writer, this unique cultural moment, and it helps me to understand his, uh, his success. It really does. 
Now, Pete and his writing are not without controversy and they're not without weakness. Uh, Weakness is all in the eye of the beholder. I think for his audience, his intended audience, uh, which is six-figure income, working professionals, I don't know that he has a weakness, Uh, certainly, especially in the the two of my complaints, that perhaps the third one would be there. Uh, But for my audience or for the general public, there is a – there is – there are three major weaknesses that that I think uh, are, are found in his message. Again, weaknesses, you have to be careful because the most skillful and effective of people are, are speaking to their tribe. And Pete has created a powerful tribe, done it very, very powerfully, where his followers and fans will self-identify as mustachians. This is powerful language. Uh, but so you so don't think that somebody's a failure just because they don't speak to all people. The most powerful people don't speak to all people. But here would be three things I want you to be aware of. The biggest flaw in his philosophy and in his approach is if you don't fit that profile of high-income professional. If you aren't earning six figures or if you're not at a stage of your life where it's appropriate for you to make significant pivots can be easy to find his writing frustrating. Because of his extreme um, casual, like this is so great, everyone should do it uh, attitude, which is very motivating to those for whom it, it is appropriate, it can be very frustrating for you to read some of his advice, read some of his uh, approaches. Because if you're earning fifty thousand dollars a year, telling somebody that it's you know somebody telling you that it's easy it can be frustrating. Or even if you're earning more than that, but your expenses are higher due to reasons that aren't as simple as changing to a different cell phone, it can be uh, very frustrating. So you need to focus on increasing your income. That might not be easy. You need to focus on recognize that sometimes you're just at stages of life where you've made certain commitments that aren't worth giving up in order to get out. It's okay to simply decide, I'm not willing to give these things up in order to get out and be financially independent. So if you have a lower income, focus on your income. You should learn from Mr. Money, Mustache, and others because lowering money in your cell phone plan is still valuable. Building DIY skills is still valuable. But look past the quote-unquote easiness of it and recognize that you have an income problem and an expense problem. And you're going to need more than moving close to work to save you money. Moving close to work is something you should probably do and you should probably think about. But you're going to need bigger, bigger benefits. Another major weakness of his uh, philosophy is just the the investing ideas, simplicity of investing ideas. I think he misses a major area of potential return. Uh, Again, not a problem. Many, If you are a high income earner, you probably shouldn't be dabbling in creative investment ideas. If you're a lawyer and you're earning $250,000 a year, your best use of your time is to figure out how to go from 250 to 450 and you shouldn't be figuring out how to make a higher rate of return here on the side but if your the best use of your time is not in your income there are alternative investment ideas that are worth your consideration 
So you probably should go and, and, and study and research your investment philosophy and try to see if there's another way that you can get higher returns from your personal approach to investing. Buying index funds and mainstream traditional rental real estate are not the only ways to build wealth. You can embrace entrepreneurship. You can embrace uh, inside investing. Uh, there are all kinds of creative ways. And when your income is not so high, and if you don't have significant prospects there with your job prospects, then you should uh, consider other, other approaches. And then third and finally, uh, what I think is probably the biggest weakness uh, which is should be obvious from the speech that I released on the show, the speech that I gave to the mustachianism, is, is simple. What's the point of retiring? One thing I don't understand, I haven't asked him personally, at some point I will, but uh, I, I don't understand what the point is of this aggressive pursuit of retirement. It, it sounds good, and I, and I get it. Maybe I'll get it more when I'm actually financially independent. Uh, I'm not financial. I'm not financially independent. I can't live on the dividends of my portfolio, and so maybe I don't understand it. But intellectually, I, I just I don't get why this retirement thing is a big deal. Pete right now earns more money than he's ever earned in his life, and to his credit, um, he doesn't spend seem to spend a ton more. He spends a little bit more, but he doesn't spend a ton more. But he could do that whether he was retired or not retired. You can have control over your schedule, over your life, over what you do, whether you have $800,000 in the bank in a paid-off house or whether you have $100,000 in the bank and you have your own business. So this obsession with financial independence, I don't understand. And I don't understand the, the point of it. What's the point of it? Is the point hedonism? I think this is a major philosophical weakness that, that you know, his philosophy is that happiness is the only logical pursuit of life. That's a loose quote of one of his essays, that the only thing, the only point of life is to be happy. Now, I don't ascribe to that for philosophical reasons, but what is it that makes you happy? That's a deeper question. And I fear that the common tendency, I don't think this for Pete, he has different, he, he's, he's more thoughtful than that. But for many people, the basic meaning of that is hedonism. I want to sleep in or I want to uh, just be able to do what I want. Yeah, but what are you going to do? And my listening to people who've achieved financial independence confirms my fear that it's a hollow victory. It can be a hollow victory. So what's next? I feel this is probably the biggest weakness of the pursuit of financial independence. But pursuing wealth and financial independence for its own sake, it's a, it's a poor master. It's a poor, you know, what's the point? There should be something beyond that. The pursuit of financial independence uh, as an expression of, of character, of stewardship, of, of self-discipline, I think that's good. But then what? What are you going to do when you're financially independent? That, to me, is a major question. There's this intense fixation. I had uh, uh, Bill, a uh, reader of Mr. Money Mustache, who I met. I had Bill, it's episode 416, uh, Bill on the show. And he was focusing, talked about how he retired at age 42. 
And one of the key hallmarks is he talked about how maybe he should have done it earlier, and he recommended to other people they should have retired earlier. Uh, Pete, Mr. Money Mustache, has written various essays telling people, you should retire right now. I don't get it. I don't get what the benefit of retiring is. Uh, If somebody's I don't get it. I don't see work as an enemy. And this would be just a deep philosophical difference. Um, uh, Work is good. Work is helpful. Work is important. So I don't view work as the enemy. Now, again, I want to be very clear. I build that on uh, a philosophy of uh, a biblical philosophy. That's how I seek to have my philosophy formed. And the Bible teaches that work is good. Man is built for work, built for service, and is seeking to build for something that goes beyond his own lifetime. So in that context, that would be the biggest difference. Uh, Now, you don't have to buy into that uh, if you don't want to, but to me, I think this is one of the major weaknesses of retirement. Um, Been saying that for three years since I've been doing the show, and I haven't... um, I still haven't seen any evidence that would convince me to change my mind. That is my analysis of the philosophy of Mr. Money Mustache. I would encourage you to learn from him. He is a powerful writer, just a a tremendous wordsmith. He's a poet. Uh, that's his best skill set. Uh, he's very unassuming in person, and and you know I would encourage you even just the lesson. Uh, Pete is a brilliant writer. He struggles to communicate verbally. He said that publicly, uh, and so I'm not not criticizing him. He struggles to communicate verbally in the sense of being able to speak speak clearly, speak publicly. Play to your strength. His strength as a as a introverted um, thinker is in writing. And so for you, you should learn from his example of what he does and how he's built it. Learn from his skill with words to build a tribe and a community around a central idea. He's built a cult, a leaderless cult, as he says, a cult of ideas, and it's powerfully influential. Learn from that. Learn from his experience and learn from – don't let, again, the the unassuming nature – Turn you off. Learn from what he actually did right. He's a very smart man, and his path has been intentional and designed. Some of the things have been uh, things that I haven't even heard him mention. Uh, But you can't get away from hard work. Worked very, very hard. So learn from those things. And then think how you can apply those techniques to your own life. On his blog, there are gems for uh, all of you, all of us. Don't let the things that might be frustrating to you, um, don't let those dissuade you. Life is all about going places, picking out the good and spitting out the bones. And I hope that you make that a, a constant uh, a constant habit. So Pete's blog is MrMoneyMustache.com, MrMoneyMustache.com. Hopefully you have a better introduction to the philosophy. It is certainly influential here in Radical Personal Finance because I seek to serve, among others, I seek to serve the early retirement financial independence community or the so-called FIRE community, financial independent retire early community. So I seek to serve that. So got to pay attention to the philosophy. Hey. That's right. If you save 75% of your income, <laughs> seven and a half years, you'll be financially independent. So if you make 200 grand, live on 50, and in seven and a half years, you'll be financially independent. We'll see. You can tune into Radical Personal Finance in the coming decade, and we'll see if I change my mind on retirement. I don't expect to, because I don't expect to ever retirement, retire and don't expect to ever quit. But uh, um, you never know. Life has a way of teaching us new things. At least that's been my experience. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. As we go, I want to remind you 
please, if you haven't done so already, please take a moment and record a quick three-minute, two to three-minute story on your phone and send me the file. Record just what person, what radical personal finance has met, meant to you, how it has helped you, and what you've done with the advice and insight and education encouragement you've received on the show. I want to hear your stories. I want to profile that for episode 500 of the show so that the audience can hear more of the stories. As you're emailing that to me at radic- Joshua at RadicalPersonalFinance.com, as you're emailing me that audio file, Joshua at RadicalPersonalFinance.com, email me also a picture of you and your family, please, just for me personally. I'm going to put these up as a screensaver on my computer to let me know who I'm talking to every day. That's so helpful. Email that to me as well. And finally, as we go... I want to thank the patrons of the show. There are 260 individual patrons of the show who send me, put together, $1,625 per month. Receive some other income from my personal consulting services, from advertisers, etc. But this is so important to me to have Radical Personal Finance be reflective of you, the community. So if you'd like to support the work here and add to that 260, please come to radicalpersonalfinance.com slash patron and show your support for the show. Thank you very much. This show is part of the Radical Life Media Network of podcasts and resources. Find out more at radicallifemedia.com.